Crikey, I'm looking forward to today. Up diddly up, down diddly down. Whoops, poop, twiddly dee. <laughs> Decent scrap with a fiendish red baron, bit of a jolly old crash landing behind enemy lines. Capture, torture, escape, and then back home in time for tea and medals. George, who's using the family brain cell at the moment? Eat, sleep, links, repeat. This is the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is episode 13, War Birds. And your captain aboard this flight today is the host, Mark Little. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking to you from the flight deck. And I would like to thank you for flying with Handicast Airlines today. And just for your edification, I will be piloting an Army Air Force issue Sopwith one and a half strutter biplane, outfitted with a forward-facing synchronized Vickers machine gun in an open cockpit. We'll be flying at an average speed of 87 knots at about 6,500 feet, not counting the loop-de-loops and we should arrive at our destination in about an hour and a half. Throughout our journey and dogfighting today, please take time to notice oncoming enemy aircraft approaching towards both the left and right of the cabin, and don't be alarmed about the machine gun fire from that aircraft. Handicast Airlines always make sure that your safety comes first throughout the entire flight. And if we're lucky, perhaps we'll be able to engage the Red Baron himself Eddie Richthofen in a rousing dogfight. Okay folks, we'll be ready to taxi down the runway very shortly in preparation for the go-ahead from the tower to begin our ascent and then begin beverage service in the cabin. But until we do, please enjoy this brief safety program, an overview of today's Atari Lynx game, part number 2032, Warbirds, published by Atari Corporation in April of 1991. So, on behalf of myself and my co-pilot, Montague, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. And again, thank you for flying Handicast Airlines. Crew, please prep the cabin for takeoff. They go up to the upper, they 
For my first LinkedIn note today, I wanted to let all of my listeners know that I have now opened up an online shop called The Handy Shop, selling official Atari Lynx Handicast branded merchandise. So far, there are a variety of mugs, mouse pads, t-shirts, and tote bags available, with other items and accessories arriving in the coming months. Proceeds from the items that are sold in the store will help offset my hosting and domain expenses that are associated with the podcast. You'll find the store at atarilinkshandicast.net, so please check it out. Finally, I'd like to make a correction for my last episode of the Handicast, episode 12, Clacks. Uh, in that episode, I repeatedly referred to the company that was created by Atari to focus on home console ports of Atari arcade titles as Tengen. The correct pronunciation for the name of the company was Tengen, with a hard G. The name, as I mentioned, is a term derived from the Japanese tile game Go, and in Japanese, with very few exceptions, a G is always pronounced with a G sound, not a J sound. My apologies for the mistake. I was able to confirm this pronunciation when I stumbled across a 2015 YouTube video posted by The Gaming Historian that covers the history of Tengen. It is a fascinating video, and I would recommend that all of my listeners check it out, as there are several Atari Lynx games that were released under the Tengen name. You'll find a link to the video in the Lynx links in the show notes. Well, that's enough LinkedIn notes for this episode of the Handicast. But you can find a lot more current news about the Lynx and its games and accessories at atarigamer.com. So please check that website out. Okay, we're about to take off on our flight to explore today's game, Warbirds. Please, darling. Believe me, everything is all right. Do you think I'd take a chance with you? I mean, if there was any danger in flying this thing, I mean, this is a plane that's really built. I mean, you know, uh, look, when was this plane built? 1916. 1916. 1916. I mean, they, these, these planes are tried and true. I mean, there's nothing experimental about these planes, you know what I mean? So, come on, let's have one big adventure. Come on, get up there and have some fun. Come on, here we go. statistics. Warbirds was originally scheduled for a release in December of 1990 under the working title of Red Baron. The game was renamed Warbirds and was finally released by Atari in April of 1991. The retail price in the U.S. was $34.99 and in the U.K. the price was £29.99. 
Warbirds was a one megabyte stereo game originally released in the curved lip-style cartridge. In 2008, Telegames released a PCB version of Warbirds. Warbirds is a first-person action flight simulator for one player or for two to four players using the Comlinks cable. The screenplay field orientation for Warbirds is landscape or horizontal. There were no ports of Warbirds produced for any other systems, and there were no sequels produced for the game. There are six levels, or missions, in Warbirds. Milk Run, Double Teamed, Red Baron, Paths of Glory, Pair of Aces, and The Swarm. Players can also control ammunition levels, damage levels, collision levels, the number of lives, and the start mode. Packaging. The carton for Warbirds is a regular-sized, full-color, standard flap, tab-style carton, 5 and 3 8 inches high by 4 and 3 8 inches wide by 7 8 inches deep. The back of the carton is bilingual with verbiage in both English and French. The front of the Warbirds carton looks like this. The background is black. Most of the cover is taken up by the game's cover art, outlined in a red frame which depicts a light green, single-prop biplane flying head-on, with a goggled pilot shooting two machine guns. In the background are five distant biplanes at various angles in the sky, with one near the bottom left of the artwork leaving a trail of dark smoke. This plane has obviously been hit and is going down. Going down, 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 down. Across the top quarter of the cover art is an arched 3D representation of the title with a wood grain texture riddled with bullet holes and all in capital lettering. To the right of the title is a small TM, or trademark, in white. Across the bottom of the carton is the standard Lynx logo, gray and black cartouche, straddling the lower bar of the red frame around the cover art. Next to the cartouche at the bottom left against the black background is the Atari Fuji logo in white. And finally, next to the cartouche at the bottom right of the carton is a yellow triangular banner with the words one to four players in black block lettering, with the word Lynx in black broken font lettering below that, then the word up in broken font lettering at the corner. All of the verbiage in the yellow triangle is oriented facing upwards at a 45 degree angle. The back of the Warbirds carton looks like this. The background is white, with a thin red frame surrounding most of the graphics and verbiage. Across the top, straddling the upper horizontal bar of the red frame, is a small version of the title in the same lettering style and background as that on the front of the carton. Below that are two horizontal screenshots from the game, positioned in the upper third of the frame. The left-hand screenshot is an action shot of the game, surrounded by a red frame, showing the red biplane's cockpit, the airspeed dial, and the altimeter dial, facing an oncoming biplane all above a green horizon and blue sky. The right-hand screenshot, also outlined in a red frame, depicts a view from the cockpit of the red biplane's left wing with an enemy biplane in the distance, again over a green horizon and a blue sky. Below the left-hand screenshot in large red italicized lettering is the phrase, Battle for the Skies. Below the screenshot and the phrase are the following two paragraphs. It's the first world war and the conquest of the sky is your mission. Battle your way to that target with Warbirds, the totally three-dimensional, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants dogfight game. Pick from any of six missions, from Milk Run to The Swarm, to dogfight one-on-one, -on -one, or fill the sky with warplanes. Fight against a computer-controlled squadron or link with up to four Lynx friends to determine who is the greatest World War I flying ace. Below the right-hand screenshot are the same two paragraphs, but translated into French. 
Below that, straddling the lower horizontal bar of the red frame, and also outlined in red, is a smaller version of the Atari Lynx logo cartouche. Finally, at the lower left of the back of the carton is the Atari Fuji logo in black. At the bottom center of the carton can be seen printed in Hong Kong, made in China. And finally, as usual, the official seal of the FBI is depicted on the right bottom of the carton, bracketed at the top by the usual phrase, winners don't use drugs, and at the bottom with the name William S. Sessions, Director, FBI. The upper left inside tab of my carton for Warbirds includes the numbers CA401053-032 and C302185-032, and printed on the bottom left inside tab of my Warbirds carton is a small circle with the numbers 1 through 12 surrounding it, similar to a clock face, but the number 4 is missing. Inside the circle is printed the number 1991. This would indicate that the original print date for my carton was in the fourth month, or April, of 1991. Above the circle are the initials GC, which would refer to one of several printing houses that Atari used between August of 1987 and June of 1990 to print what is known among 2600 game collectors as the red box cartons. Finally, the bottom flap includes a UPC barcode with the numbers 0-77000, Dash zero two zero six zero dash four. If any of you linksters out there have Warbirds cartons with different information on the tabs or the flaps, please let me know. The manual. The instruction manual for Warbirds is a stapled regular size booklet in full color, not counting the full color poster instruction sheets that were created for Lynx games released between 1991 and 1992. This manual is the only original release Lynx instruction booklet printed completely in color. The manual measures the usual 4 and 7 eighths inches high by 3 and 3 quarters inches wide. There are 20 pages in the manual including the front and back covers. The front cover of the manual is exactly the same in color and style as the front of the carton. There are only two differences. One, the manual is missing the white TM or trademark notation to the right of the title. And two, the Atari Fuji logo is missing from the lower left corner. It has been replaced with the words user's manual in capital white block lettering. The inside of the front cover of the manual includes a paragraph of boilerplate info about the accuracy of the printed manual, followed by the Atari, Atari logo, Comlinks, Links, and Warbirds copyright and trademark information. At the bottom left of this page is the Atari Fuji logo in black. The next page after that, labeled page one, includes a full color illustration of a saluting World War I pilot wearing goggles and a flak jacket, and standing in front of a red biplane in profile. Beneath this picture is the heading, Aerial Armageddon, in capital black lettering, with the following two paragraphs underneath. It's World War I, and you are the newest pilot in the Army Air Force. Your eyes almost bug out as you are led to your aeroplane, an awesome biplane fresh from the factory. You look with amazement at the twin front-mounted rapid-fire machine guns. You hear the crackling of the guns, the rip of a hit, and the screaming whine of a crashing enemy plane. The time has come to put your training to the test, to find out what you are really made of. It's time to join the Warbirds. Warbirds is a simulation of aerial combat. You may play alone and hone your skills, but the real thrills come when you engage your friends in deadly dogfights. Getting started instructions along with a flight briefing begin on page two, above a tight shot, full color illustration of an Army Air Force captain and his baton, along with a text bubble that says, Attention pilots, 
choose your options. Pages 3 through the top of page 7 includes the flight briefing instructions under the headings Ammo, Damage, Collisions, Lives, Start, and Game Mode. Page 6 includes a circular full-color illustration of the headshot of an angry mustachioed pilot wearing goggles, flak jacket, and flapping scarf, ostensibly an enemy pilot, with the light blue sky and white clouds in the background. At the top of page 7, under the heading The Cockpit, is a full-color illustration of a biplane cockpit in an angled view with four dials depicted. Air for airspeed, alt for altitude, oil for oil level, and a compass. Below the illustration is the heading Airspeed along with its descriptions. Starting on page 8 are the headings Altimeter, Compass and Oil Gauges, and Ammo with their respective descriptions under each heading. The top of page 9 includes the heading Squadron Colors, which includes four full-color illustrations of the insignia for Rooster Team Orange, Rampant Griffin Team Gold, Oscar Team Black, and Maltese Cross Team Red. At the bottom of page 9 is the heading Looking Around, along with its appropriate description. Page 10 includes a full-page, full-color illustration of a red biplane within the clouds, zeroing in on a green biplane in the background. The illustration includes the caption, Cloud Cover, a smart maneuver, in a yellow box at the top left. Page 11 includes the heading, Flying the Plane, along with a full page describing how to fly the plane. This description continues on through to the top of page 13. The bottom half of page 12 includes two side-by-side full-color illustrations. The left picture shows a red biplane ascending rapidly upwards with the caption, Increasing altitude decreases airspeed in a yellow box at the top, and the right picture shows a red biplane flying a loop-de-loop downwards, with the caption, A Radical Right Roll, in a yellow box at the top. Page 13 includes instructions for landing the plane, all under the heading, Landing. Page 14 includes a full-page, full-color illustration of a pilot in a green biplane, stating in a text bubble, Where did you come from? Superimposed across the top third of this illustration are the two headings, A Tomb with a View, and strategy, along with their respective descriptions underneath. Page 15 includes a full page of strategy tips. Page 16 includes a page of the ranks and respective scores under the heading Scoring. Page 17 includes a full page, full color illustration of a pilot and a captain facing each other on a green platform with red bunting as a crowd in the foreground looks on. Three red biplanes soar above amid the clouds in the background. Ostensibly, this scene depicts a pilot being rewarded with a medal for his valor and bravery. Finally, the back cover of the manual is mostly blank, except for the Atari Fuji logo at the bottom, with the Atari Corporation 1991 copyright information beneath it. My copy of the Warbirds manual includes, at the very bottom of the back cover, printed in Hong Kong, then GC 4.1991, indicating an original print date of April 1991, and then C3981020032. And as far as I can determine, the manual for Warbirds released in the United States was available in English version only. In France, Warbirds was released in the bilingual carton with a monochrome sheet of instructions in French. And that covers the vital statistics for Warbirds. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. 
One look at that Red Baron pizza and it tells you you're going to love it from the first bite to the last. Because a perfect pizza requires a perfect crust. And this one says you're in for an extraordinary ride. The sauce commands your attention. The cheese begs you to savor every bite. The pepperoni declares you have reached pizza nirvana. And that last slice... What's it worth to you? A perfect crust means a better pizza. Red Baron. Love at first bite. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Stay at home and away from other sick people except for medical care. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Credits. The developer for Warbirds was Atari Corporation. It was designed and programmed by Robert or Rob Zedibble. Zedibble was a developer of games for many of the early game and computer systems, including for the Atari VCS or 2600, for the Atari 5200, for the Atari 8-bit line of computers, and for the Commodore 64. Starting his career in 1979, most of his early games were published under the Atari and Sega Labels. Zedibble has a long line of credits including Pigs in Space, Real Sports Football, Stellar Track, and Star Trek for the Atari 400-800, SOS for the Atari 2600, Missile Command for the Atari 5200, and Bug Hunt for the Atari XE. He also uh, designed sure the system BIOS for the Atari 5200. Warbirds was the only game he beloved. designed for the Atari Lynx, and in the credits for the game, he dedicated Warbirds to his father. My friend and fellow podcaster Randy Kindig, host of the Floppy Days podcast and co-host of Antic, the Atari 8-Bit podcast, interviewed Rob Zedibble in 2016. Links to both parts of that interview can be found in the links links in the show notes. But be forewarned, the interview includes some profanity. Well, that's a bloody shame. Watch it, Monty. I don't want the Handicast to be flagged for containing explicit content. Many apologies. Right. Let's keep it clean. Art and animation for Warbirds was completed by Susan G. McBride and Melody Rondo. Susan G. McBride also provided artwork for the Atari Lynx titles Shanghai, Rampage, Miss Pac-Man, Clax, and Checkered Flag. And Melody Rondo did art and graphics for Shanghai, Rampage, Checkered Flag, Rampart, and Batman Returns for the Atari Lynx. The catchy music and sound effects for Warbirds were created by Lynx musician and sound engineer Robert or Bob Vieira. In addition to Warbirds, Vieira is also credited, often with fellow sound engineer LX Alex Rudis, for eight other Lynx games during his time at Epics Incorporated and at Atari later on. A thank you credit was given to John Scrutch and Dave Needle. Scrutch was an early game producer at Epics and was involved in the production of the Lynx games Checkered Flag, Rampart, Kung Fu, Dirty Larry, Renegade Cop, and Batman Returns, and the later release, Raiden. 
In the late 1980s, Dave Needle, along with R.J. Michael, was tasked by their former manager at Amiga, David Morse, who was then working for Epix, to come up with a handheld gaming unit to serve as that company's entry into the game console market dominated at that time by Nintendo. They developed a 16-bit handheld game system with a color LCD screen, and it was labeled as the Handy Game. This console, of course, was later marketed by Atari as the Lynx. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. The object of the game. Well, very simply, the object of Warbirds is to shoot down as many enemy biplanes as possible to achieve the highest rank. To do so, players must outmaneuver enemy aircraft, shoot the two onboard machine guns accurately, utilize ammunition wisely, and avoid being shot down, all while piloting the biplane and monitoring the gauges in the cockpit. After players insert the Warbirds cartridge into the links and press the on button, the title screen appears. After a few seconds, an animated red biplane flies in from the distance towards the screen until it soars through the title, which is rendered in red capital letters superimposed over an angled view of green farmland and a blue sky dotted with white clouds. The credits then appear one at a time across the screen in red block capital lettering as other biplanes of varying colors fly in from the distance towards the screen. During this sequence, the title music can be heard. playing multiplayer mode with the comlinks cable will then see a number on the screen signaling the players to begin playing. This number is absent when only one player is playing. The title sequence will cycle indefinitely until the player presses either the A or B button to go to the flight briefing sequence of the game.
The screen switches to a graphic of the flight commander standing against a brick wall to the left of the green chalkboard with your airplane written in white block letters at the top. The heads of the training pilots in silhouette can be seen in the foreground at the bottom. With his right arm, the commander points his baton at the top choice written underneath the heading. Players use the D-pad to move the commander's baton up or down to choose from the six options listed on the chalkboard. And they press left or right on the D-pad to make choices within each option. The options are Ammo, where players can choose between 200 rounds, 400 rounds, 800 rounds, or unlimited. Damage, where the choices are unlimited. Minimal, which just means that your plane can withstand a large number of hits before being blown out of the air. Tournament, which means that the damage to your airplane increases the closer the shots get to the cockpit. And critical, the same as tournament damage, except that the single critical hit can explode your plane. Collisions, where your choices are to allow or not to allow collisions between your biplane and the enemy aircraft. Lives, where players can choose between one, two, three, or an unlimited number of lives. Start, where the choices are dueling start, which just means that plane or planes begin the game in the attack positions. Or random start, which just means that the plane or planes begin the game at a random distance and position from each other. And finally, Flight Simulator, where players can choose between the realistic World War I flight simulation or arcade, which outfits the biplane with a high-powered engine, thus increasing the action, but with less realism. After choosing from the options, the player in the single-player game can then press the A or B button, whereupon the chalkboard pivots over to reveal the six missions available. The player can then choose the desired mission in the same manner as before, by moving the D-pad up and down. The available missions are Milk Run, which is perfect for beginners, Double Teamed, which pits the player against two relatively inexperienced pilots, Red Baron, where the player goes head-to-head against the famous World War I flying ace, Eddie Richthofen, Paths of Glory, where the player is pitted against three enemy pilots of middling skill levels, Pair of Aces, where the player fights against two very experienced enemy pilots, and The Swarm, where the player tries to take down three ace enemy pilots. Players in multiplayer games will not see this chalkboard, as they'll be pitted against each other. Once all of the choices have been made and a mission has been assigned, players can then press the A or B button and the action screen will appear, displaying a pilot's view of the biplane cockpit. Two round gauges are visible on this screen, the airspeed and the altimeter. Pressing the B button changes the gauges to the compass and oil level dials. Holding the A button down engages the biplane's two forward-facing machine guns. While in flight, the roar of the biplane's single front-mounted propeller can be heard. Players control their biplane by using their D-pad just like the stick in a real airplane. Pushing up drops the nose and makes the biplane dive, and pushing down lifts the nose and causes the biplane to climb. Pushing right or left on the D-pad causes the aircraft to roll right or left. 
players should remember that the longer the D-pad is pushed, the more radical the maneuvers. Players should also remember that in flight simulator mode, steering the plane is more complex. Many World War I biplanes used a rotary motor which spins clockwise. This causes the plane to roll more quickly to the right than rolling to the left. Players should pay attention to the gauges as they may help in keeping the plane flying efficiently and accurately during the dogfights. Players engage enemy aircraft by pressing on the A button to fire their dual front-mounted machine guns. When a player hits an enemy biplane with the machine gun fire, a ricochet sound occurs. When a player is hit by enemy fire, a deeper and more ominous sound occurs. Players should learn to distinguish these sounds during a dogfight to gauge the health of their enemy's biplane as well as the health of their own aircraft. As players fly the plane, they have a choice of views. The default view is straight ahead. Pressing the B button and the D-pad down at the same time indicates the view from the rear of the plane. Pressing B and the D-pad right or left together shows the view from the right or left wing of the plane respectively and pressing the B button and up on the D-pad at the same time displays the entire cockpit, including all four gauges. <coughs> Players flying with limited ammunition may need to land the plane once in a while to replenish. Players should look for their own squadron colors on the hangar. When the plane's altimeter dial is in the green zone and the plane is level, as it begins its descent, the player can shut off the engine by pressing the Option 1 button. The engine must be off to land. As the plane approaches the hangar, players must press the Option 2 button to indicate that they are ready to land. If it is done correctly, the plane will land and a team will come out to refill the ammo. Planes on the ground are sitting ducks to enemy aircraft, however, so players should use this option sparingly, which is just as well because I never could safely land my biplane despite many, many attempts. Players in multiplayer games will see a symbol showing their respective flight team. The four flight teams are Rooster, Team Orange, indicated by the head of a rooster, Rampant Griffin, Team Gold, indicated by a white bird with its wings spread out, Oscar, Team Black, indicated by a skeleton, and Maltese Cross, Team Red, indicated by a light red cross with flared ends. The team colors also appear on the wings and tails of the planes, as well as on the barns and hangars on the ground. Players should look for them, especially if they're in pursuit of a certain enemy plane or in search of a hangar nearby for landing. The manual lists several strategies to aid players in flying their biplanes and shooting down enemies. Getting behind enemy aircraft makes it easier to shoot at them without them shooting back. Players can try a few maneuvers to change from prey to predator, such as loops, shutting the engine off, and then restarting it using the Option 1 button to sneak up on the enemy. Players should also use their ammunition wisely and monitor the gauges. They should also use the side and rear views to locate enemy aircraft and ducking into clouds by turning 90 degrees to avoid enemy fire. Also, players should watch for smoke trails from enemy planes to locate them, and players should always keep a higher altitude over enemy aircraft wherever possible. If your biplane sustains too much damage from enemy fire, 
or if it is too low to the ground through either an uncontrolled dive or making a serious error in the landing sequence, which is something I did a lot, a life is lost. If the life lost was the player's final life, the screen changes to a sepia-toned photograph mounted on a brown wooden background surrounded by a collection of roses and skulls. The photo depicts a skeleton wearing a flight helmet and goggles. Beneath this photo is the caption, Victories, Zero, Rank Awarded, Target. And the end of the game music plays on a continuous loop. After each victory, the screen changes to a sepia-toned photograph mounted on the same brown wooden background. This photo depicts a young pilot sitting in his biplane cockpit, smiling at the camera. Underneath the photo is displayed the number of air victories, along with the rank awarded, as the rank awarded music plays on a continuous loop. When the player is ready for the next phase of the mission, pressing either the A or B button returns to the action screen and the fighting begins again. Here are the ranks awarded and the number of downed enemy airplanes or victories needed to attain them. Target equals zero victories, rookie equals one victory, pilot equals two victories, lieutenant three victories, flight leader four, ace five, captain eight victories, wing leader 16 victories, Major, 24 victories. Colonel, 32 victories. General, 48 victories. Air Marshal, 64 victories. Field Marshal, 80. And Ace of Aces equals 99 victories and higher. I never got any higher than 11 victories myself, so I only got as high as Captain. And that briefly is how you play Warbirds. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Hey, Mr. Block, can I go to the bathroom? Two minutes. Introducing Lynx from Atari, the color video game you can get away with. Well, sometimes. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. 
Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Reviews and Ratings The reviews for Warbirds were mostly positive, with the video game critic the usual outlier. Most of the reviews focused on how the game showcased the Lynx console's excellent hardware capabilities. Please remember that links to the complete reviews and ratings for Warbirds that I summarize here can always be found in the Lynx Links section of the show notes. Here are some of the highlights of the reviews that I found. Ian Johns in the May 3rd, 1991 issue, issue number one, of the UK magazine Games X, says this, Warbirds is set to stun the gaming nation with smooth 3D graphics and fast-paced action. Johns also called it, A classy 3D flight simulator and features loads of action in a cloud-filled sky. Each aircraft attempts to get the best position on you, namely your backside, so keep your wits about you. Les Ellis and Julian Boardman provided a lengthy review of Warbirds in the June 1991, issue number 8, of the UK magazine Rays, saying, The flying sequences are incredible for the Lynx and must push the machine close to its limits. Solid 3D graphics move at fantastic speeds and great use has been made of the Lynx's neat rotate and zoom hardware. During two-player dogfights, this game really comes into its own. Warbirds is a very brave attempt to produce a Wings-like game on the Lynx. Happily, they've succeeded brilliantly. Ellison Boardman gave the game's graphics 89%, sound 78%, and playability 87%, resulting in an overall score of 86%. In June 1991, the deadly named Rigor Mortis in issue number 23 of GamePro magazine ended his review of Warbirds by saying the game is one of the most impressive Lynx games to date and it really allows the Lynx to strut its stuff. Gameplay is smooth and easy to learn and the different game scenarios keep the challenge fresh. Warbirds is sure to get you flying high. John Sweeney in his review of Warbirds in the UK magazine New Atari User from June-July 1991, issue number 56, summarizes the game by saying, The flight graphics are excellent, although a tiny bit jerky in places, with superb digitized pictures of the pilot as he crashes. Very easy to control and great fun to play. The review crew in issue number 24 of Electronic Gaming Monthly magazine from July of 1991 provided these ratings and reviews for Warbirds. Steve gave the game a rating of 7 out of 10, saying that the game gives a good example of what the Lynx is capable of game-wise. Nice job all around. Ed also gave the game a 7 out of 10, saying, Warbirds has a lot of great features built into the game, and it does them all very well, which is a tribute to the hardware. Martin only gave the game a 6 out of 10, saying, Warbirds is a neat game for the Lynx, mainly because it shows off what the hardware can do. Fans of Blue Lightning will like it, but I still like Blue Lightning better. 
Finally, Sushi X also gave the game a 7 out of 10, saying, Hey guys, it's a fun game. The feeling of rushing toward your doom while in a 90 degree dive is realistic and can cause minor heart attacks in older folk. Just kidding. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely a member of older folk, so I guess I'd better be careful. David Upchurch, in the August 1991 issue of the UK magazine Ace, issue number 47, summarized his review of Warbirds by saying this, While sim fans may be unimpressed with the lack of complete control over the craft and the limited scenario range, most will be more than pleased with this superbly playable advert for the Lynx capabilities. Upchurch gave Warbirds a total score of 836 out of 1,000. In the August 1991 issue, number 117, of the UK video game magazine Computer and Video Games, reviewer Paul Glancy only gave Warbirds an overall rating of 84%, complaining that there isn't a lot of variety to the gameplay. It would have been nice to have something other than dogfights to participate in, a bombing mission for example, but what's there is good fun for a while. Veteran writer Robert A. Jung's 1999 review of Warbirds ends with this verdict. Warbirds is designed and written by Robert Zedibble, a newcomer to Link's game design. He dedicates the game to his father, and it's a worthy piece of gaming to be proud of. It's a game that's simple in concept and fun to play. Throw in true simulator realism, a variety of options, and the ability for four-player competition, and the sum is greater than its parts. For the video gamer looking for realistic aerial action, Warbirds leaves everything else behind. Jung gives the game a rating of 9 out of 10, which is excellent. Jay DeLuna provided this summary for the game in his 1999 game FAQ's Warbirds review. Great graphics, tons of options, unbeatable gameplay, even a guest appearance by the Red Baron. Warbirds had everything going for it, everything but the system it landed on. No doubt the Game Boy could, quote, never pull a game off like this, but if it did, it would have been legendary. As it is, Warbirds will have to remain a hidden treasure among a proud few. He rates the game 4.5 hearts out of 5, or 9 out of 10 overall. At Defunct Games, John Huxley, in his 2007 review of Warbirds, gave the game an A, saying... The game graphics, while simple, are outstanding, and when you top all of this off with some neat digitized pictures at the end of each mission, you have one really amazing game. It's not for everybody, but if you're a Lynx owner who loves flight simulators, you owe it to yourself to check out this phenomenal action game. The eternally negative video game critic, in his 2008 blistering attack on Warbirds, gave the game a grade of D, saying, The controls are sluggish and turning is slow. Since you're typically only facing one enemy at a time, you constantly have to double back in order to get your foe lined up again. Since there are no crosshairs, it's hard to tell if an enemy is in your line of fire. It's also not clear when an enemy plane is taking damage, although eventually it begins to smoke. Simulation fans might appreciate Warbirds on technical merit, but arcade-minded gamers should keep their distance. And I don't really think the personal rancor is going to help the situation, if I may say so. At Gamer Sutra, Ron Alpert, in his 2010 review of Warbirds, said this about the game. Warbirds was remarkable as a one-player experience, but plugging in a cable to a friend's system was sublime. PvP 
player versus player. In this fashion was still unheard of in those days, and dogfighting with a buddy in Warbirds was some of the most fun to be had on an Atari Lynx. An excellent game that I will never forget. The Cubist at Nerd Bacon in 2013 gave a less than positive review of Warbirds, saying this, Between the difficult controls and total lack of variation between missions, backgrounds, and planes, Warbirds leaves much to be desired. I suppose it can be marginally interesting at first, but with no real ending or overarching purpose beyond destroying all the planes in a particular mission, there's not much of a reason to play this game very long. Perhaps its age is showing, as I can imagine someone back in 1991 giving this title a 5 or a 6. As it is, though, there's just not enough uniqueness going on in this one to merit much discussion. Oh well, there's a reason the Lynx never made it as huge as the Game Gear or Game Boy. He gave Warbirds a very low rating of 3.5 out of 10. Keita Aita, in a 2014 review of Warbirds at Atari HQ, summarized by saying, Aerial dogfight fans rejoice. Warbirds is, without a doubt, one of the very best air combat games around, bar none. If you've ever fancied yourself as the Red Baron piloting a World War I fighter biplane, this game is for you. Keita gives the graphics 8 out of 10, the sound 7 out of 10, and gameplay 9 out of 10, with an overall rating of 9 out of 10. John McQueen, in his 2018 review of Warbirds at AtariGamer.com, gave the game an overall rating of 8.5 out of 10. Here's his summary. In all, Warbirds gets an A grade for its graphical, aural, and technical chops, as well as the way the game plays as a Red Baron-style experience. It could have done with a little bit more variety in the objectives, as seen in other Lynx flight titles like Blue Lightning and Desert Strike, but when all is added together, it is an utterly unique game that grabbed hold of the collar of the portable gaming world way back when, and said, can your portable gaming system do this? And no one had an answer. Why not chuck this cart on with your McWill modded link screen and see how this game was designed to be played? Have fun sailing through the skies, Corporal. <clears throat> uh, actually, I'm a captain, John. Or EVS, European Reviews. With this episode, I begin a new feature for the Handicast Game Review segment, Arethius European Reviews. Many listeners to the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast may already be familiar with Arethius of the Retro Gaming Connection Association in France and his submissions to that podcast of non-English language game reviews from European publications of the day, most of them in French. So here are the European reviews for Warbirds that Arethius kindly submitted to the Handicast. From the first issue of the French publication Consoles Plus in September of 1991 are these thoughts about Warbirds from two reviewers, Baden and Pingos. Here are Baden's thoughts. Warbirds has all the qualities to be the best flight arcade simulation on the Lynx, and it is not an easy game. The difficulty level between the first mission, Milk Run, and the five other, Triples. You can land your craft when you are out of ammo, but I could not achieve this prowess either, as I was an easy target for my foes, or I never found the hangar where I was supposed to land. It is also a shame that we cannot have the manual in French. Nevertheless, Warbirds remains an exciting game. You can even fight against your friends by linking two or more lynxes. And here are Pingo's thoughts on the game. The realism of this game is extraordinary. As a player, you are directly hooked into the ambiance by the engine noises, the hissing of the crashing plane, or the aerial views of the planes. 
The realism gets even more reinforced by the handling of the plane. Change of directions, loops, drills, and upside-down flights will give you extreme sensations. The multiple choices in the briefing screen, flight sim or arcade, collision activated or deactivated, etc., give to the game an appreciable replay value. Their final scores for Warbirds, presentation 65%, graphics 85%, sounds and music 89%, playability 92%, Replay value 89% and interest 90%. From the first issue of the French publication Joypad in September of 1991 comes this look at Warbirds from reviewer SEB. Warbirds is technically a very good game. The 3D graphics are gorgeous, the display is very fast, and your plane is very maneuverable. The action is interesting, and the options allow you to get better at it by starting with infinite lives or deactivating the collisions, for example. It's very good. The issue is that the game is very repetitive, and the fights always take place in the same arenas against the same planes, even if their skills change. It is a shame, as the game may quickly become boring, even if it is really interesting at first glance. SEB gives these ratings to Warbirds. Graphics, 17 out of 20. Animation, 18 out of 20. Sound, 15 out of 20. Playability, 17 out of 20. And he gives an overall rating of 80%. From the German magazine Video Games, in February of 1991, comes this review and rating of Warbirds by reviewer Michael Hengst. Warbirds is a typical representation of the alone is boring, but in society it is fun cartridge. When you start a solo game, the cart feels boring quickly, although the graphics are nice and full of details. But with friends, the sky duels are really fun. Experts of the flight sim genre will find this game too simple. Hengst gives the following ratings for Warbirds. Graphics, 63%, music, 28%, sounds, 44%, and overall, 61%. Also from Germany, the magazine Powerplay in May of 1991 provided this look at Warbirds from reviewer Y, W-I. At a glance, Warbirds looks great. The nice and nimble graphics with detailed enemy planes and thick clouds and the wooden panel provide the will for hop flight duels in an action and simulation way, but if you play alone, the motivation will fade away very quickly. As a simulation, the game is too simple, and the lack of variety makes Warbirds an average action game. The 3D chip possibility of Comlink's games saves the game from being a flop. Y gives the following ratings. Graphics, 54%, sounds, 40%, and overall, 60%. And finally, also from Germany, the magazine Aktuell Software Markt in September of 1991 are the ratings for Warbirds. Graphics, 7 out of 12. Sound, 5 out of 12. Playability, 7 out of 12. Motivation, 6 out of 12. Price value ratio, 6 out of 12. And the conclusion, a middle range action game. Many thanks to Arethius for providing these reviews to those of us without the access or the language skills to read about our favorite Lynx games from non-English publications. Merci beaucoup. Mark's Review I do like Warbirds. It's a title that finds its way into my daily or weekly game playing rotation, and it's always good for a half an hour or so of fun. What I like? Well, the graphics are engaging and smooth, and it's never hard to make out what I'm looking at as I zoom through the clouds. I like the title music, as well as the music that plays between the missions. It harkens to what I think music would sound like in the 1910s. 
And I like the personal touches in the game, such as the photo of a World War I pilot sitting in his biplane that displays between the missions. It reminds me of the very high human cost that so many paid during the war to end all wars. What I don't like. As Warbirds is essentially a flight simulator, mastering the controls, at least to me, becomes a bigger part of playing the game than mastering the strategy involved in winning the game. I also don't like that playing the game can get a little repetitive, especially in single player mode. Wish I knew somebody nearby with whom I could play in multiplayer mode. Also, the drone of the biplane's engine can get a little weary, but that's easily remedied by just turning down the volume. Of course, doing that makes it harder to hear when my biplane is getting pummeled by the enemy, which happens often. Finally, I do agree that a bombing mission over ground targets would have been a nice touch, but that's just me picking nits. So here's my review of Warbirds. Gameplay, four links. Graphics, five links. Controls, three links. Music, four links. Sound effects, four links. And for my overall rating, 4.0 links out of five. And that sums it up for all the reviews for Warbirds. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. Hey, you ever sit around the house and wonder, hey, what's going on with news or anything exciting? I do. I do. How about if you sat around the house and you thought, hey, what movies are out right now? Or what does somebody have for show and tell? If you've ever wondered any of that, you can listen to our show, Please Stand By. And come along with us as we journey down all of those items to tell you what's going on with us. Because you care about us. (laughs) As you should. Right. (laughs) Or you better. www.zerbinator.wordpress.com Come by there for all your podcasting needs. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Fun facts and trivia. Prices at online auctions. A single loose cartridge on eBay, there were five loose carts ranging in price from $16.97 to $22.05, averaging $19.89. Single CIBs on eBay, there were three listings sold ranging in price from $18.80 to $32, averaging $23.47. Loose cartridges sold in a lot on eBay, there was one lot from the UK that included a Lynx console and a loose cart of Warbirds that sold for $43. CIB sold in a lot on eBay included one lot from Australia that included CIB copies of Warbirds, Awesome Golf, Ms. Pac-Man, and Pinball Jam, and also a manual cart combo of Lynx Casino. The lot sold for $18.97. On price charting, the averages were $17.65 for a loose cartridge, 
$26.50 for a CIB, and $32.87 for a new inbox. RarityGuide.com gives Warbirds a value of $34 for a new inbox copy, $16 for a complete inbox copy, and $7 for a loose cartridge. Prices at other retailers. BNC Computer Visions, the price list system at BNC crashed on August 3rd, 2018. They've still not been restored as of this record date. Best Electronics was not selling any copies of Warbirds by the recording date of this episode, but keep in mind that the price list has not been updated since September 29th, 2019, so they may be back in stock by now. Keep checking back. The Gamesman in Australia is selling new inbox copies of Warbirds for $34.95 Australian. The Goat Store is selling new copies of Warbirds for $39.94. Telegames in the UK has copies of Warbirds for sale at £29.99, including tax, but they do not specify whether it's a loose cart, a cart manual combo, or a CIB or NIB copy. And finally, Video 61 in Atari Sales has new inbox copies of Warbirds for $99.95. Rarity. Atari Age gives Warbirds a rarity score of 4, which is Scarce Plus. Getting harder to find, it may be difficult to track down all the Scarce Plus cartridges if you're only hunting locally. For that reason, you may have to resort to online resources to track all of these down, although you should be able to pick them up inexpensively. Atari Gamer gives Warbirds a rarity score of 34 out of 100, which is uncommon. Starting to get difficult to find, but still accessible. The French version of Warbirds gets a rarity score of 46, which is in demand. Not easy to find at the usual places, grab it if you see it. And the 2008 Telegames PCB in a CD jewel case version of Warbirds gets a rarity score of 51, which is coveted. Not seen often, hard to find, very valuable. Rarity Guide gives a rarity score 53% out of 100% for Warbirds. High scores. As there is no scoring for the game, only ranks awarded, there are no high scores recorded for Warbirds. Cheats, hints, and Easter eggs. Atari Age provides the following three tips, cheats, and Easter eggs. On killing the Red Baron, first select unlimited damage, 200 rounds of ammo, no collisions, unlimited lives if you're not good at landing, and a dueling start. Once you're in the air, fire your machine guns at the Baron. After he flies by, waste your ammunition on purpose. Next, land. Yeah, right. While your men are trying to fix your plane, the Baron will crash trying to shoot you on the ground. There's a cheat for single-player gravesite. For single-player gravesite, as soon as you die, when the Roses and Skulls border appears, quickly pause the game. Pressing the A button will change the viewpoint from plane to plane and to the point where you died. Look around with joypad. And a tip for new players. When playing alone, pause the game and you can still look around with the B button. This may help new pilots so that they can pause the action, look around, and plan their route. And that wraps up fun facts and trivia for Warbirds on the Atari Lynx. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. You gonna buy the same old game, boy? Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade with the biggest screen for full-color attraction, stereo sound and 16-bit action, and more and more games for total satisfaction. Lynx will blow you away. Lynx, more fun and games from Atari. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. 
Information about children with this disease is limited, but they are known to have had mild symptoms. Many organizations are responding accordingly, depending upon their area. It's best to stay home and away from others, especially when sick, and continue following healthy hand wash guidelines, covering mouth and nose and not touching your face or high-touch surfaces. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces regularly, and for more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Listen to feedback. I have a full magazine of feedback from several loyal linksters this month, so here we go. Apple Podcast Reviews. Listener Matasumo was gracious enough to provide a review of the Atari Lynx Handicast on Apple Podcasts. Here's what he wrote in his review entitled, My Favorite Handheld System Game by Game. The Atari Lynx system is my favorite handheld system, and this game by game breakdown of every game available for it is impressive in both its scope and its knowledge. Incredibly detailed, each episode is like an encyclopedia entry for the game, with just about everything you could want to know about the game. Seriously, if there is any bit of information left out on a game, I don't know about it. A real treat for gamers and a nice addition to the growing Atari podcast library. Well, Matasumo, it was really nice of you to take the time to submit a review. I really appreciate the kind words that you provided about the Handicast. Thanks so much. Facebook comments and messages. After I posted an announcement on the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page that episode 12 Clax was available, I got this comment from Mario Labrizzi. Welcome back! And I responded, thanks, good to be back in the podcasting chair. And R.D. Reynolds on the same page posted this. Was so happy to hear a new Atari Lynx Handicast episode today. Welcome back, Mark. Whenever you have a new app, no matter their frequency, I'll be tuning in. Thanks, R.D. Hopefully I can keep the momentum going over the coming months. After I posted an announcement on the Antic Atari 8-Bit Podcast Facebook page that episode 12 Clax was available, Bill Kendrick wrote, Golf clap. Also, we need a proper 8-bit port of this. We have Glagzit, at least. And then he provided a link to a YouTube video of Glagzit. That's G-L-A-G-G-S-IT. You'll find that link under YouTube videos in the links links in the show notes. Eric Christofferson added, I don't remember playing Clax, but I do remember trying to contort to match the one in that one ad. After I posted an announcement on the Floppy Days Vintage Computing Podcast Facebook page that episode 12, Clax, was available, Dan DeVreend commented, It is the 90s, and there is time for Clax. Al Campbell responded, Are 2090s? And Dan DeVreend wrote back, Al Campbell, do not question the Clax. Mark Newton-John said, Clax is like the Oregon Trail. You played until you died of dysentery. Michael M. Eilers said, bring a metric ton of batteries. And James Shackle said, Clax in the links made Game Boy Tetris look sick. What happened, Atari? After I posted an announcement on the Atari Gamer Facebook page that episode 12 Clax was available, Atari Gamer commented, Awesome, glad to see you're making more of these episodes. After I posted an announcement on the Atari Museum Facebook page that episode 12 Clax was available, Hugo DeFort commented, It's a mild Claxative. After I posted an announcement on the Retro Gaming 101, the group Facebook page, that episode 12 Clax was available, Grieg McGregor commented, I had one of those things back in the 80s. 
took it on a school trip from Scotland to Germany on the bus, ran out of batteries long before I left the UK, whilst the smug Game Boy owners kept playing on. Two smiley faces. And James Davis responded, On the Master System, it was a must. After I posted an announcement on the Atari Lynx fans' Facebook page that episode 12 Clacks was available, Timmy Ho commented, Perfect arcade port. Had high hopes for Pit Fighter before it came out. And Mike Wendell said, Clax is one of my favorite Lynx games. A better game to compare with Tetris is Blockout. It's like Tetris on steroids. Matthew Sizuik chimed in, Awesome. Two episodes in a month. Checks the year. Oh. Uh, that's because episode 11, Zarlor Mercenary, was also released in February of 2019. <sighs> Bobby Tribble said, Glad to see you're back. I'll be checking out the show on the drive home, smiley face. Thanks, Bobby. Ben Brady said, Great news. I was missing the podcast. Thumbs up. Well, Ben, I miss doing it, if truth to be told. And Gary DuPont said, I love Clax. It and Blockout are two classics, in my opinion, and they are must-haves gets. Yeah, Blockout is a favorite of mine, too. Thanks, Gary. After I posted a link on the Atari Age Facebook page promoting episode 12 clacks of the Handicast, Seth Covell said, I prefer Blockout. Jim Gobell said, It is the 2020s. Is there still time for clacks? And Bill Kendrick responded, Always time for clacks. Hugh Michael said back, Ain't nobody got time for clacks. Jason Minton continued the thread with, I always wanted one. I think it was Blue Thunder or something like that. Saw it in an EGM magazine, Heart Eyes, but being a broke-ass kid, couldn't get it. Then Jason Minton corrected himself with Blue Lightning. And Luke Altman responded with No, it's not. You go on thinking it is, though. Norman Davey chimed in with Clax Wave. And finally, Bradley Queering said Love Clax, and the Lynx version is the best, in my honest opinion. After I posted the usual goofy photo of myself on the Atari Lynx fans' Facebook page, soliciting feedback for the Warbirds episode of the Handicast, I received this from Matthew Sezuic. Great game. One of my all-time favorites. Amazing what they could do with the little handheld. Thanks, everyone, for the Facebook comments. Now, let me move on to Twitter. Twitter tweets and messages. I got one comment in response to my tweet that episode 12 clacks was available. Curtis Herod, or Cujo, tweeted, Oh, snap. Look who turned up. And I responded, a Lannister always pays his debts. Cujo also retweeted my tweet saying, The most handy pod in the gaming genre returns. Join the Handicast as I continue my cameo hot streak with provocative words about the puzzler Clax. Thanks, Cujo. And we'll all listen to his audio submission about Warbirds coming up shortly. On the same Twitter posting, my good friend from high school, Howard Oberg, tweeted, I always get my R's kicked in Clax. Smiley face. Good to see another podcast coming out. You've got me to playing more Lynx games on my PSP. Well, thanks, Howie. Now, ditch the PSE and get yourself the real thing. Atari Age Comments and Messages I received a comment about Warbirds from Matthew Sezuic, who said, I just started listening to the podcast as my interest in the Lynx has been rekindled thanks to the Evercade system. I owned a Lynx the day they were released and bought games right up until the Jaguars launch. Warbirds was one of the games I remember, mainly because my computer at the time could not run modern flight simulators, and Warbirds was just so good-looking and fun to play. Unlike Blue Lightning, you had full control of where you wanted to go. Loop-to-loops were encouraged, and it felt so real at the time. Excellent graphics helped me get into the game, and Atari did a great job on the manual, with artwork from the artist who did the Atarian fan club art. 
Multiplayer was also a blast, and Warbirds was one of the few games that my brother, four years my senior, would play with me on the Lynx. One of the best Lynx exclusives, and it remains fun to this day. Thanks so much, Matthew. I didn't know that about the Atarian fan club comic strip artist that was the same person who did the artwork for the Warbirds manual. Makes sense. It's probably impossible to find the artist's name, though, as there were only three issues. If anyone knows who it was, please let me know. I also received a comment from Eugenio, or TrekMD as he is known. He said, Just finished listening. Welcome back. Another great episode. Thanks, Eugenio. Eugenio has an email about Warbirds that you'll hear about in a minute. Finally, I got a comment from S. Ramirez 2008 about Clax. He said, Great episode. I've only recently purchased a Lynx 2, but it's already been modified, McWill LCD, and upgraded. Thank you, Crossbow. I've also purchased an Agacart. Thank you, at RJ1307. And I'm enjoying listening to all of your episodes as I get to explore the Lynx library for the very first time. Clax is amazing on the Lynx. Can't get enough of it. Thanks for continuing your podcast. Thumbs up. Well, thank you so much, S. Ramirez 2008. Now it's time to move on to some emails. Emails. The first email feedback I received about Warbirds came from Eugenio, TrekMD on Twitter and Atari Age. Here's what he wrote. Hello, Mark. I hope things are going well. I was very happy to see the Handicast back. I downloaded the Clax episode as soon as you made the announcement and enjoyed listening to it. That's such a fun game. In any case, how about I give you my feedback on another great title for the Lynx, Warbirds. Warbirds is an aerial combat game for the Lynx that takes the player back to the days of World War I when pilots flew fighter biplanes in combat. In this game, one can climb, dive, strafe, roll, and turn as if you were inside a real plane. It's really cool to see how the landscape and clouds rotate and how well objects scale as you approach them. In fact, it is amazing to see how nice the enemy planes look. The game can be played by a single person or with up to three other players, which is something I have not been able to experience. My only experience is with the single player mode, which is quite challenging itself. Here the player has to kill a certain number of enemies before moving on to the next mission. While that may sound simple and straightforward, it is far easier said than done. Those enemy planes have some pretty smart computer pilots, and shooting them down does take strategy. One important thing to remember is that your bullets are not unlimited. If you run out of bullets, you have to land to be reloaded. And this is not the only aspect of the game with a sense of realism. You do have to learn how to read and use the information on the gauges on your plane. Everything from your altitude, oil pressure, speed, and direction are key in order to master warbirds. Another interesting and realistic aspect is that your plane doesn't have a radar to track your enemies. You have to press button B and use the joypad to turn your head and to look for the enemy planes just like the pilots had to do during World War I. I think that Warbirds is probably best described as a combat flight simulator, even though it has an arcade mode as well. It does take a bit of learning, but it sure is fun and challenging to play. I should also mention that the various customization options when the game starts let the player adjust the challenge the game will offer and let the player have more arcade-like experience, but still with some realism included in the mix. I consider this a must-have for any Lynx owner. Going to the final frontier, gaming, Eugenio. Well, thank you as always for your valuable feedback, Eugenio. It's always great to hear from you, and thank you for welcoming me back to the podcast chair after a year-long absence. It feels good to be back. And now that I am in shelter-at-home mode, as is most of the planet, 
I have no excuse not to get the episodes out on a regular monthly basis. And I'm really happy that you enjoyed listening to episode 12, Clax, last month. That was a big game, and it seemed to me that I would never finish producing that episode. But let's talk about this episode's game, Warbirds. Like yourself, I have only ever played this game in single-player mode, as I don't know anyone in the Atlanta area where I live who has both an Atari Lynx and a copy of the Warbirds cartridge. But single-player is definitely challenging enough, and it sounds like you've mastered the flight controls, at least more than I have. My usual choice in playing Warbirds is to do a milk run with unlimited ammo and no lives lost. I do agree with you that although it is not the only first-person flight simulation game for the Lynx, Blue Lightning, Desert Strike, Steel Talons, and to a lesser extent, Turbo Sub come to mind, this one is very different from the others. And how many World War I games can you think of that can be played on a portable console in 1991? It's certainly unique and, for the most part, fun to play. Thanks so much for your feedback on Warbirds, Eugenio. Adios, amigo. I also received an email from Louis Gorenfeld. Here's what he said about Warbirds. Hey, Mark. I'm happy to see this episode is about Warbirds. Warbirds is easily one of my top Lynx games, and I think it's one of the most underappreciated these days. It's easy to do, given how sophisticated our 3D multiplayer games have become. But flashback to the early 90s, and it's a whole different story. Most computers, expensive as they were, only clocked up to 8, maybe 12 megahertz. These didn't run 3D games terribly well, getting maybe a dozen frames per second if you were lucky. Games such as Red Baron Online or Air Warrior were considered cutting-edge entertainment, but they struggled with frame rate and lag. You might say, but wait, those were fully polygonal and that's why they were so slow. And to that I would respond with sprite-based 3D games such as Battlehawks 1942, which ran at a similarly choppy pace. Then you look over at the Lynx and it's doing four-player dogfights without a hitch. This game is running butter smooth without any of the issues that plagued its big expensive brothers. Now, I don't know that Warbirds had the depth of a game like Red Baron with its campaign and variety of missions, but for player versus player action, it was damn close. And this was on a system that cost a shred of what an average computer at the time went for. So while Warbirds itself still stands as a fun game with a decent amount of depth, hiding in clouds, strategically trading altitude for maneuvers, landing to refill ammo and the like, its place in history makes it much more impressive than it ever got credit for. Now if only I could find three more people to play Warbirds with me, or the amazing Battle Wheels for that matter. I love listening to the show as the Lynx is one of my all-time favorite handhelds and you remind me of games like Clax that I still need to check out. And I look forward to what people have to say about Warbirds. Cheers, Lewis. Well, thank you for your feedback, Lewis, about Warbirds. And I would agree with you that the game doesn't get the attention it deserves, up to a point. Actually, my opinion is that, in general, most games for the Atari Lynx don't get the recognition and scrutiny that games for other more successful retro game systems receive. Perhaps it's because the Lynx came from what was once a truly groundbreaking company, Atari that had, quite frankly, arrived at the end of a long period of phenomenal success. Perhaps it's because the Lynx was never the powerhouse that it could have been. Many factors are bandied about as to why the system and its games ultimately faded away. Maybe it was too far ahead of its time, or maybe it was too expensive, or maybe Atari was unable or incapable of marketing the console's strengths in an increasingly crowded gaming market. My thinking is that the Lynx's short lifespan was probably the result of a combination of all three factors. 
Certainly Warbirds showed off the system's capabilities to their fullest, as did other titles such as Electrocop, Summer Games, and even one of the favorites that you hope to have one day, Clax. Still, having said all of that, let's all give Warbirds a big kudos for what it did do. But let's also give the entire Lynx library kudos for what it did in a short time period. And at least in a small way, I hope this podcast will help spread those accolades to a wider retro gaming audience unaware of the Lynx and of Warbirds itself. Good luck, Lewis, in your quest to find three fellow Lynx owners nearby with whom you can enjoy Warbirds in all its PvP glory. Your feedback on the game is most welcome, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I received an email from Aretheus, who provided me with the European reviews of Warbirds earlier in the podcast. Here are his memories of both the Lynx and the game. Hey Mark, this is Aretheus from the Retro Gaming Connection Association in France. I'm a loyal listener of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and it is so that I discovered your Lynx Handicast. So far, I've listened to all of the episodes about games I owned or played at least once, and I will listen to the rest in the coming days, I guess. I discovered the game as a kid. I was maybe 13 or 14. At this time, my brother had just begun or was ending his primary education cycle. Sorry, I am not familiar with the education system in the U.S. It was a sunny day. That I remember for sure. We went to a shop, the kind that sell a little of everything. They had a video game section. I never saw a Lynx before. I knew about the Game Boy, but not the Lynx. So I asked, and he pulled the console out of its box. It was a Model 1 and started to demonstrate it to us, this beast. I was amazed by what I saw. This guy tried his best to sell it to us, but he was destined to fail, as we were not allowed to have video games, and we knew it. Once he asked me if I was a right-handed or left-handed. I told him I was left-handed, and he told me, Oh, good for you. You can reverse the console and play it left-handed. He tried to reverse the console, but he did not remember how to do it, so he dropped it. We had to leave the game shop soon after but I perfectly remember the game he showed us. It was Warbirds. Many years later, in 1998, I went with my brother into a Parisian video game shop called Try a Game. There, the seller made another demonstration to us, and he insisted on the AC adapter, and that first we had to really be careful on the port and not to confuse it with the headphone connector. He also said we could use any random adapter. The put-not-enter, he said with a horrible, typically French accent. Since then, this seller's nickname has become the Put Not Enter. After the short demonstration, we came back home with a secondhand Lynx Model 2 and a bunch of games California Games, Slime World, Robo Squash, Zybots, and Warbirds. My two favorites were Warbirds and Robo Squash, but I'll leave my feedback on Robo Squash for the dedicated episode. Here are my thoughts on Warbirds. I love this game, and for me, it is a real showcase for the Lynx. True, the graphics are a bit empty, but they are gorgeous. I remember having no trouble controlling the aircraft, and it was really satisfying to see an enemy plane go down. Unfortunately, I never tried Warbirds in multiplayer mode. Maybe one day. In any case, and for the time being, I give a Hall of Fame rating for Warbirds. That's it for now. Can't wait to listen to the episode. Take care, and remember to stay at home during this difficult period. Well, thank you for that email, Aretheus. I really appreciate it. It sounds like you came very close to actually getting a Lynx back when they were still new. Imagine having fun with a Lynx for 30 years. Still, you got one in the end and that's what matters. It sounds like you not only liked Warbirds, but also Robo Squash, the game I'll be covering in episode 16, slated for later this year, I hope. Can't wait to hear your feedback on that one. 
keep up with your linksing, Aretheus. Thanks again for your European review translations and for this email memory. And please stay safe. Merci beaucoup. And that's all of the emails for this month. Audio submissions. I received three audio submissions for Warbirds in this episode. Keep up the submissions, Linksters. First, I received an audio submission from Curtis Herod, Cujo at 86Cujo on Twitter. Here's what Curtis had to say about Warbirds. Let's just sit here in the clouds for a second. Let them fly right by. I don't think anybody would blame you for trying to catch your breath in 2020, you feel me? It is an age of perhaps perfect vision. Definitely an age of confliction. But it's good to see the uh, Handycast turn up in the uh, podcast stream, is it not? Cheers, Mark and Monty. Good to have you guys back. But here we are. We have to face Warbirds. Coming off the high that was Clax, let's take a look at the Lynx's deep sim. There were critically acclaimed words around it. But from my perspective, you know, I started off with the Blue Lightning demo. So how are you going to get me excited about biplanes? Does anybody have any hot biplane action in their memory? Was Indiana Jones in a biplane for a second? Anyway, I'm not going to judge a book by its cover. The box art is aggressive. So let's go ahead and open it up. Speaking of Warbirds. First thing, you have a interactive menu with planes flying through the credits. Okay, you're talking my language. Next thing, the menu screen with Admiral Bird's interactive elbow. And that's B-Y-R-D for you conspiracy fans. Cheers, guys. I'm okay. I like this. Milk run. That's a nice illusion. Uh, the swarm. Okay. And you know what? Every good game has to have a nemesis. The Red Baron. Hmm. Okay. Okay, let's hop in the cockpit and give it a whirl. I've never been much for Sims. I'm much more an arcade guy. So you got to sell me on the conflict. To be honest... The Red Baron never really tricked me, so I didn't feel like he was a worthy opponent. As cool as those guns could have been on your plane, they sounded like pop guns on the Atari Lynx's impressive sound chip. I mean, let's be honest. There were some bullets that flew by, some tracers. I like that. I like the flames coming off the planes. But, uh... You know, it wasn't even that great to win, because who was that flapper that you were looking at? I don't want to be that guy. Warbirds is one of those games that only gets interesting after you lose a life. Because why didn't they start with that death screen skull? If that was the menu screen, you'd be stuck to your couch or or the (laughs) power cable. So... I think that's what I have to say about Warbirds. Some things only look more interesting after you lose something. You know, when you get shot out of the sky, God forbid, the last thing you'll see is roses, according to Warbirds. That's kind of a deep cut. Roses are are pretty heavy in the symbolism game. 
I guess straight to the front of the line, you got Citizen Kane. The greatest movie of all time? Maybe. CK311, gotcha. Rosebud, right? It's his sled. You know, he wants to return to innocence. No, they missed it. The snow globe broke. The rosebud was the last thing he saw. Hmm. Cheers, Linksers. This is this is a podcast, isn't it? Cheers, Handycast. With the good graces of Mark, I'm going to throw something up in the Lynx links. If you enjoy when I drop in and out, as I do when uh, you guys drop audio, you know, take a look at my Indiegogo comic, The Black Book. It has a Lynx reference in it. <clears throat> oh, oh, you need more? It supports about a dozen artists from around the world, and, and it's quite a page-turner. Get to know the black book. No one can tell you what it is, but you'll soon know. Monty, Mark, I may sit a couple out just to enjoy the uh, ride, but thank you guys. First of all, Cujo, thank you for the kind words about the return of the Handicast after a year's absence. I hope you think the wait was worth it. I'm just glad to be back, if for no other reason than to listen to your awesome and always interesting audio submissions. I agree that Warbirds is a hard sell for anyone who began their Lynx experience with a game like Blue Lightning. Yeah, it is hard to get excited about biplanes. I guess it would be like comparing a 1910 auto race with today's Grand Prix. And I'm not actually sure that there were any biplanes in any of the Indiana Jones movies. My thinking is that even in the 1930s when those movies were set, biplanes even then would have been considered to be very quaint and outdated. As for the game itself, I agree that the Red Baron was a pretty easy opponent. Even I had no trouble dispatching him to the ground with limited ammo. And perhaps the game would have been a bit more rad, to use some jargon from the 90s, had the marketing for the game made a greater emphasis on the skull wearing the flight helmet and goggles. Can you imagine how cool that graphic would have looked on the cart and cover art? And I, like yourself, have never been a big fan of flight sims, and that's one reason why I probably didn't rate this game any higher than four links out of five, even though I do enjoy playing it from time to time. Finally, I wanted to point out to all of your Linksters out there, especially if you're interested in independent graphic artists and their art, that there is a link in the thank yous and the other links section of the show notes for Curtis's Indiegogo campaign for The Black Book. Please check it out and consider helping Cujo fund this project. My thinking is, if you like Cujo's audio submissions, you'll like this project. So thanks as always, Cujo, for your feedback on Warbirds. Keep the audio submissions coming when you can. I really appreciate them. I also received an audio submission from Bobby Tribble. Let's listen to what Bobby had to say about Warbirds. Warbirds really is a game unique to its time. It's exclusive to the Lynx. It heavily relies on the features of the system, scaling abilities, and multiplayer support. It also is a hybrid of early 90s genres, flight simulator and arcade action. It just makes sense for the system at that time. Uh, If you travel further to the past, you get something way simpler, like Atari 2600 Combat. Move to the future and you get something way more complex, like Ace Combat. But Warbirds falls squarely between the two. It can exist on a four-way directional pad and two buttons, uh, but it still simulates flight. It's quite the accomplishment and a commendable feat for the system. So why do I start out with such a long preface? Well, uh, I'm not sure it's really a game 
I would play a lot these days. I know, I know, this is a beloved Lynx title. I really have fond memories of this game. Playing it these days feels a bit sparse? Maybe the modern version of me is spoiled. Maybe I just don't have three other friends who I could ever wrangle into a multiplayer game session. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is that I fired up Warbirds the other day, and I played it for a little bit before it more or less lost my attention. But yet, yes, it's true, I have such fond memories of it. When Warbirds originally came out, I played the heck out of it, even if it was just by myself, which it seems is not really how this game was designed to be played. Back then, the graphics and gameplay really did seem much more complex to me. I flew around the skies for hours trying to position the clouds in just the right way, maneuver myself behind other planes and line up perfect shots. I was really into it. Uh, I pressed so hard on the directional pad that my thumb would hurt afterwards. So how to rate Warbirds? It's a tough one. It really is definitely a quality title unique to the Link system, and not something that any other handheld of the time could ever have pulled off. And it's worth having on hand, along with a Comlinks cable, just in case you run across any uh, Lynx-owning friends that have the game as well. So, overall, yes, of course it's worth checking out this game, just to see for yourself how hard you end up pressing on the D-pad. I rate this game 16 slices of Red Baron pizza, and this cartridge will eat your lunch. Hi, thank you Bobby for your concise review of Warbirds. You're right that the game is a beloved title for the Lynx, and also that it is probably best enjoyed with one, two, or three other Comlinks players. And you're certainly correct that Warbirds is quite an accomplishment, not just for a handheld from the time, but also, I'll wager, for any console of the time. It's truly a remarkable hybrid of flight simulator and arcade action. 16 slices of Red Baron pizza, huh? Hmm. That's four slices per player in a multiplayer game. Yeah, that's doable. Thanks so much for your audio submission, Bobby, and take care. That musical means that I got an audio submission from veteran audio submitter Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Here's what Shinto said about his experience with Warbirds. My friends were not impressed with Warbirds when I first showed it to them in the early 90s, and I was I was a little taken aback because I liked it, and I wasn't the only one. I bought it on the strength of its reviews, like in Electronic Gaming Monthly, and I sure wasn't disappointed when I first plugged it in. I love the feel of the game, the way you roll 90 degrees to one side and pull back on the D-pad to try to outflank whoever's on your six. I love the rattle of the machine gun, the smoke that billows from damaged aircraft, the way you can look all the way around your plane, different views, and how you can cut and restart your engine. I really like the chalkboard visual when you set up your mission, and that theme song has been stuck in my head all these decades later. I just need to hear or see the name Warbirds, and my brain runs from there with a theme song and opening credits. The mission selection tune is fantastic too, of course, but not quite as catchy. So my friends, I, I didn't know what was wrong with them. Warbirds is amazing. Well, you're just basically flying around looking for a plane to shoot, is what they told me. You know, I said, you can fly closer to the grounds. You're above the clouds right now, so you could fly through the clouds and there are hills and stuff down below that too. Really? They said. So they tried it. Those tetrahedron-shaped hills, 
they're apparently pretty fun to fly around, and avoiding the ground adds another element to the gameplay that they were missing. Suddenly, finally, they conceded that Warbirds is a cool game, which it is. I typically played it in flight simulator mode with unlimited ammo and no collisions, kind of a mix between realistic and totally not. I found landing too tricky when I played with limited ammo, but if you pull it off, you're rewarded with a very cool visual, if memory serves. I did get to play this one briefly over comlinks with my son, just a few minutes. It has promise as a multiplayer game, but I've totally gotten an unfair advantage since I've logged a lot of time behind the stick of my biplane, and even if I'm decades removed from my peak, I've still got that muscle memory, it would seem. But I'll bet this game is a total blast with the four players of comparable skill. Rob Zadibble made this game. Now, there's a true Atari legend. He worked there making games for the 2600 in, like, 1979, and on all the way through the Jaguar up until they shut the doors for good. He said in an interview with Retro Gaming Roundup that he made Warbirds for a group of friends that played games on Fridays, the Friday nights they were called, and... I can just imagine sitting around playing more birds four people at a time. That that must have been awesome. My friends would have loved it in Comlinks mode, I think. You know, if we had more than one links between us. We played a lot of other multiplayer games against each other around that time. And if we had enough linkses and they still didn't like the game, well, it probably would have been time to find some new friends. Thanks so much, Shinto, for your Warbirds feedback. I can understand how your friends at the time might not have thought that this game was very much fun, especially compared to other more arcade-like titles that were on the market then. But kudos to you for converting them, at least to the point where they thought that Warbirds was, quote, cool. I do like the, quote, feel of the game, like you do. The chalkboard, the smoke trails, the cut engine option, the old-fashioned theme tune. It's all great. I really think Rob Zadibble captured the atmosphere of the era spot on. Not an easy thing to do in a video game, much less a video game for a portable handheld console. Warbirds was obviously a labor of love for him. I wish I could see the graphic that appears when you safely land your biplane for resupply, and I commend your game-playing ability to be able to do so. As I said earlier, I haven't been able to do that myself, and there aren't even any pictures or videos on the internet of the graphic and sounds that occur when a biplane does complete a landing in Warbirds, at least as far as I could find. I bet Zadibble could do it with his eyes closed, right? As always, Shinto, thank you so much for your feedback on Warbirds. Please keep up your fabulous work on the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Cheers! And many thanks to everyone who took time to contribute their thoughts and memories to this episode, either by comments, emails, or audio submissions. I really do appreciate it. Wrapping it up. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking. I wanted to call your attention that I have turned on the seatbelt sign in the cabin as we begin our final descent to the end of our flight. So please make your way back to your seat, fasten your seatbelt, and return your reclined seats and tray tables to their upright and locked position as we prepare to land our biplane today. And don't forget to safely secure all of your carry-on and personal items, including your Lynx consoles and game cartridges. And a reminder to you that if you are making a connecting flight after we land, please note that our next flight for Handicast Airlines will be covering 
a telegames title, Quicks. So if you have any feedback for that flight, episode 14, Quicks, please try to get that feedback to our flight crew as soon as possible. And future flights of Handicast Airlines coming up after Quicks are episode 15, Basketball, episode 16, Robo Squash, episode 17, Road Blasters, episode 18, World Class Fussball Soccer, and episode 19, Tournament Cyberball 2072. So on behalf of my co-pilot, Montague Habersham, and myself, along with the rest of our crew, I would like to thank you for flying Handicast Airlines today. Keep on lacing. Thanks are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Tagirigus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. Ascending Souls, Center Quasar 2, Chasing Rainbows, Discharge, Propaganda Machine, Sweet Passage, and The World Around You, all by Frau Hole. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerbi of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerbi have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife, Lizzie. She has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. Nudge, nudge, snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, sign them all. The Atari Lynx Handycast is a proud partner with AtariGamer.com. If you are looking for the latest Lynx news, interesting Lynx articles, a full list of Atari Lynx games, and a one-stop compendium of all things Atari Lynx, you can't do any better than visiting AtariGamer.com. Tell them Monkey sent you. The Atari Lynx Handycast is also a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can listen to all of the great retro-themed podcasts on the network, including this one, by visiting throwbackreviews.com. Just click on the podcast's link in the top menu. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handycast. In addition to Apple Podcasts, the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found everywhere that podcasts are sold, including Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. 
be sure to check out the Atari Lynx Handicast website. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. You can even purchase Handicast-themed merchandise such as mugs, mouse pads, t-shirts, and tote bags. They're all in the handy shop on the Handicast website at atarilinkshandicast.net. And also don't forget to visit the Handicast blog page at atarilinkshandicast.blogspot.com. Also, you can follow the Atari Lynx Handicast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Handicast. Plus, you can also follow the Atari Lynx Handicast on Twitter and on Instagram. Just search on both platforms for Lynx Handicast. And Reddit users can find the Handicast at reddit.com slash users slash Atari Lynx Handicast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast. Or you can provide your own feedback about any Atari Lynx games. You can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects to future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at mark at atarilynxhandicast.net. Thank you for listening. This is Montague Habisham wishing you all a jolly good evening. The carton for Warbirds is a regular sized full color standard flab tile. Standard flap tile. <laughs> Squadron colors, which includes full, which includes four. Uh, the screen switches to a graphic of the flight commander. This, uh, yeah, let's try that again. And the and and the swarm. Players engage enemy aircraft by pressing, 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 pressing the A button. Here are the ranks awarded. Here are the ranks awarded. That ah. Uh, Warbirds is designed and written by Robert Zibdibble. Warbirds is... uh, uh. Jay DeLuna provided this summary for his game... uh. Jay DeLuna provided this summary for the game in the 19... uh. Jay DeLuna provided this summary for his... uh. It's not his game. And as there is no scoring for the game, only ranks are awarded, and there are no high scores recorded for Warbirds. Let's try that again. Who's using the family brain cell at the moment? <laughs> the Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you.